0: everyone, and welcome back to the third part of our Witch Trial uh, mini-series, What the forensics? My name is Journey, and I am joined here by Nicole and Rebecca. For our third part of our three-part Witch Trial episodes, uh, Rebecca is going to be telling us all about the Salem Witch Trials, which is a topic we've had on our list for, I think, since we started. So uh, we're all very excited to finally get to talk about it. Uh, with that being said, Rebecca, did you want to tell us all about the Salem Witch Trials? I would love to.
1: So even though, as we have learned through Journey and Nicole's case studies on witch trials, that there have been many of them throughout history. Um, I honestly assume, given the fact that it was so prevalent in the United States, is the reason that the Salem Witch Trials are some of the most known or notorious throughout history, Um, but they weren't as severe as the other ones they told us, but they were still the first witch trials that I learned about, and I've been to Salem, and it was incredible, and so I am so excited to share the history of it today. Um, But with that being said, I'm going to get into it. So the Salem witch trials occurred in Salem, Massachusetts, and they lasted about nine months between... June of 1692, and May of 1693. So back in the 1600s when this occurred, Salem was not the same as we know it today Um, it was actually two separate towns both within Massachusetts about 16 kilometers from each other so there was Salem Village which was a small farming community of about 500 people Um, and generally just because it was very inland and they relied on farming it was quite a poor community and then there was also Colonial Salem Town which was a very busy commerce port city located on the Massachusetts bay and again because it was a port city um, in comparison to the inland city of the village um, they were much more uh kind of wealthy because they had ports coming in from barbados and everywhere in the caribbean and europe um but with regards to modern day Colonium Salem Town, so the port city, is what we currently know as Salem, Massachusetts, whereas Salem Village is where we now consider Danvers, Massachusetts. So, so the Salem,
2: sorry, now that you've said that, like if people are like, "Yeah, oh, I'm going to go to Salem to like check out Salem and they go to Salem, Massachusetts, that's not the same Salem that the witch
1: trials happened at. So it was kind of weird because they were so close together and, like, they did influence each other. Okay. Yeah, Okay. Um, I was honestly getting kind of mixed information about where specifically the trials happened. Okay. Um, but I know that, um, as I get into a little bit later, like, when they were imprisoned, the witches waiting for trial, they were actually transported to a prison closer to Boston, like, to wait oh, okay. before their trials. And then I think their trials happened in Salem town, not village, but most of the witches that were being accused, it was occurring in Salem village. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So the event leading up to the Salem witch trials was basically King William's war of 1689. And this is when the English monarchs had started a war with France from within the American colonies And as a result of King William's War, um, there was many neighboring colonies that were required to seek refuge in Salem Village. And I just thought this was super cool. Um, Some of the regions that had to seek refuge were New York and Quebec, but also Nova Scotia. So I thought that was a really neat little bit of Salem history that I didn't know we had here in the Atlantic provinces. Yeah, that's Um, super cool. Yeah, I had no idea. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. Um, So due to the large influx of people in Salem Village, resources um, within Salem Village that were already a little bit scarce because they weren't the major town got even more scarce as the population grew. And so this led to already established rivalries between two noble Uh, families are notable they weren't noble families but they were both there was one primary kind of big family in salem village and there was one in salem town that already had a history of kind of um like fighting and arguing over land um but it kind of caused this to get worse which further led into like the mass hysteria that kind of led to the witch trials so In colonial Salem town, we had the Porter's family, who were quite wealthy because of their strong connections to merchants uh, coming in and going out through the port of Salem. And then in Salem Village, um, which we're going to be talking about a lot more, we had the Putnam family and... The Putnam family in particular, um, they felt that the Salem village deserved to be more self-reliant and autonomous from Salem town, which obviously the porters disagreed with. And so as the Salem town, um, was more prosperous, it just, it created a really big social and economic divide between these communities. Part of the Putnam family kind of trying to gain autonomy from Salem town, um, It was because of their great influence that um, they were able to kind of convince the town and convince Salem Town to um, allow Salem Village to have their first ordained minister. Um, Just for a little bit of reference, there was a church in Salem Village prior to this, and it did have three former ministers. However, all of them were unordained. So it wasn't until um, this ordained minister came in, through the port of Salem town and with the um, influence of the Putnam family that a man named Samuel Paris, Paris, sorry, a man named Samuel Paris came into Salem village and became the first ordained minister, but under a parish of the church of Salem town. So, the churches between Salem village and Salem town were still connected to each other, but this was kind of like the first step of independence between the two towns. So Samuel Paris arrived. Um, He had grown up in Barbados, but his father was native to London, England. Um, He grew up in Barbados on a sugar plantation that his father owned. And then when his father passed away, the sugar plantation was passed to Samuel Paris. Um, But he wasn't very good at being a sugar merchant, so he decided to kind of travel the seas where he arrived to the Salem port in Massachusetts, where he decided that he was going to go to Harvard before becoming the ordained minister of the village. So with Paris um, came Elizabeth Eltrich, as well as his three children, Thomas Elizabeth and Susanna Paris. And just to note quickly, because I'll be saying Betty a lot in the future, Elizabeth Paris was also known as Betty Paris. Um, in addition to his kids and wife, he also brought along from Barbados his niece, Abigail Williams, as well as the two people that were enslaved by the Paris family at the time. Their names were John Indian and Tituba. Um, they were a man and woman from Barbados, but to this day, um, documentation makes it unclear whether they were um, indigenous to Barbados or if they were um, indigenous to Africa and then taken over as part of the slave trade. So even though there was some conflict with the following couple of years, um, because the town was excited or sort of the village, I keep getting town and village mixed up because they're both Salem but the village was initially excited to get a new ordained minister um, obviously to lead the church because we lived in a very um uh puritan religion at this time but Paris's theology and preaching didn't really align with all of the community members views and he was starting to get very um i guess greedy in terms of trying to negotiate his contact or contract to get higher pay and to get more benefits as far as benefits go in the 1600s. Um, but overall, the next couple of years were basically as normal as they could have gotten in late 1600s America. Um, it was important to note that at this time, like most of America, in Salem Village, the majority of the population was Puritan, which was a religious movement that was known for their intensity of religious beliefs and practices um, and devotion to God. And it was also at this time that because of the strong belief in God, they also strongly believed in the devil um, and that those who were committing sin were likely to be witches. And if not witches, they at least worshipped Satan if they were committing sin. Which is a little harsh, in my opinion, but okay. Yep. (laughs) So... Um, While enslaved by the Paris family, Tituba, who was likely acting as a nanny for the family because she was the only woman slave, um, she would often play um, like fortune telling games with the kids and like tell them stories from her religion in Barbados, which at the time was commonly voodoo. Um, so, this led to Betty, Abigail, and also another friend of theirs, Ann Putnam Jr., to kind of practice or like play games of fortune telling. All the sources were really vague on this, but it basically sounded like these kids were just playing make believe and they were like, ooh, in the,
0: like, kind of like playing MASH, like we would now. That makes sense. Um, voodoo is the one thing that scares me the most. Like, the, like ever since watching like the one bones episode um after the hurricane i think in new orleans when they go and clean up and it's like the whole voodoo episode i hate it it terrifies me it has such a fascinating history but i know like
1: it's been portrayed so like as the most frightening religion mm-hmm. <laughs> for hundreds of years yeah. yeah
0: i have friends who grew up in haiti and um like their parents were killed with voodoo magic really yeah it's scary and after like hearing his stories i was like "Ooh, nope nope i i don't believe in that because if i believe in it then it's real but if i don't believe in it then it's not real (laughs) and i can ignore it and pretend i never heard that
1: (laughs) yep that's fair (laughs) yeah so Yeah, so as a result, or possibly a result of Tituba telling them these stories of voodoo, um, the children, like I had said, started to play games about like fortune telling and things like that. Um, And it all seemed pretty normal, like just children having a fun time being kids, until a day in January of 1692, Um, That the same girls that I just mentioned, so Betty, Abigail, and Ann Jr., um, were reportedly just playing around when they began to, quote, have fits, is how it was described by almost every source I read. Um, So reportedly, these fits included kind of twitching and convulsing uncontrollably. Um, And they were also screaming and making unintelligible sounds. Um, They were throwing things at people and throwing things at the wall. And reportedly, they were also complaining that it felt as though something or someone was biting and pinching them on various parts of their body. So obviously frightened for his child and uh, his family friends, um, Paris called in a doctor who was named William Griggs. And it was William Griggs who... Um, basically came and tried to give like a, a diagnosis to the girls to figure out what was wrong. But the only diagnosis he could give them was that they were afflicted by something supernatural. So it was pretty much with this single diagnosis that the witch trials kind of began to, to come into play. So, in an attempt to determine whether or not the girls were actually possessed by the devil or were practicing witchcraft. um, There was a neighbor of the Paris family. Her name was Mary Sibley um, who suggested to John Indian, who, as I mentioned earlier, was one of these slaves of the Paris family. She suggested to John that they should make a witch cake to test whether or not these girls were actually possessed. So, A witch cake, Uh, they originally got their origin in 17th century England and very quickly made their way to New England in America. And it was believed to reveal whether witchcraft was actually being used or if it was just something natural or someone was just being weird. Um, so what a witch cake was, it was a cake or a piece of bread that was made using a mixture of rye flour and the urine of the potentially afflicted person of witchcraft. This cake. Um,
0: That's disgusting. (laughs) Yep, it
1: is. It is very disgusting. I agree. (laughs) Okay, continue. Yeah, so they would make this cake out of urine and rye. Um, and then feed it to a dog because at the time it was what? believed that dogs were very closely associated with the devil um and so they believed that if the dog was fed this witch cake and began to exhibit similar symptoms to the afflicted individual of whose urine is in the cake that it was proof that this person was a witch
0: okay i should have let you finish i didn't think they were feeding it to the dog i thought they were feeding it to a person but you know what? Still, Wait, why no, would you feed a watch. pee
1: killed, a pee filled cake to a dog?
0: <laughs> I feel like no
2: matter how witch like the urine is, um, the dog's
1: still not going to enjoy that. Like it's probably, probably not going to react well. Like they're they're
0: eating pee. I thought they also wouldn't react very well mm-hmm. to that. Um, do you go into any of the potential causes of the witch like activities? I do really briefly, um,
1: but it's all just like modern day conjecture because obviously we have no way of knowing.
0: Yeah, because isn't one of the theories that there's like moldy rye?
1: Ergotism. Yeah. 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 That
0: is, that's like the main theory is
1: that they had ergotism.
0: Yeah. So like, I guess if the dog started like acting witchy, I guess um, it could have just been caused by like the rye in the cake. Yeah.
1: That's what I was thinking, too. Like, obviously, they didn't know that at the time. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I I learned a lot about Salem growing up, and I did not know about witch cakes. (laughs) (laughs) That was a first for me today. Mm -hmm. Yep, I've never heard of that. Yep. But, so... Now knowing about witch cakes and the suggestion of Mary Sibley to make witch cakes out of the urine of these three girls who were believed to be possessed, um, John Indian then collected the urine of the three girls. There's no detail about how he did that or how he approached that, just that he got the three girls' urine. And then Tituba. Um, who was the enslaved woman that I had also mentioned earlier. Um, She then baked the cake and gave it to the Paris family dog. So it was, it was their own fun little pet that they were potentially going to possess with witches. Um, (laughs) But surprisingly, I guess to the Paris family, the dog didn't exhibit any of the symptoms as the children. However, Um, Reverend Paris still considered this type of test, quote unquote, to be witchcraft. Um, So he subsequently denounced the use of magic in a church service, which I thought was already something that was denounced by the church. (laughs) But after Paris had found out that Mary Sibley was responsible for recommending making a witch cake... Paris stated that he did not care that it was done with good intentions to help his child, that it was still, quote, going to the devil for help against the devil,
0: unquote. Interesting. I feel like gross kind of encompasses that too. I know, right? (laughs) Okay, love it.
1: Yeah, so because Mary Sibley supposedly went to the devil for help with the devil, um, she was ultimately suspended from the congregation congregation because she recommended the use of this witch cake. However, after publicly confessing in front of the congregation um, and the congregation actually had to stand and let her know that they approved of her confession, she was ultimately let back in as a member of the church and uh, was actually never heard about again in any of the transcripts or written recordings of the witch trials. So she kind of just disappeared after being reintroduced to the church. (laughs) Even though the witch cake didn't prove that the girls were witches because the dog didn't react, um, because Reverend Paris didn't really agree with the use of it in the first place, they just decided to still believe that the girls were afflicted by witchcraft. So because of this, on February 29th of 1962, it was through the pressure of their family Um, friend, and father. And I say that just because one of the girls was not related to Reverend Samuel. She was uh, one of the children of the Putnams. But through the pressure of Reverend Samuel Paris, the girls ended up identifying the women who were supposedly responsible for inflecting them with witchcraft. And the three girls pointed the blame towards Tituba, as well as a homeless woman whose name was Sarah Good, and a poor um bedridden elderly woman whose name was sarah osborne and i just want to make a really quick note the sources i read said that sarah osborne was an elderly woman um but once i learned about the date of her death and when and the age of her death she was only 49 when she died
0: That's not elderly. (laughs) That's middle age. (laughs) Yeah. It might have been elderly for
1: that time. I just thought that was really interesting that in all the sources, she is an elderly woman and she's not even (laughs) fifty.
0: Well, that makes me wonder like if the children that they were interviewing at that time were like toddlers or something. Because I guess you would be considered an adult at like 13 or whatever if you're elderly by 50.
1: Yeah, yeah, I wonder that too. Mm. And I think I forgot to mention this earlier, but continuing on the using children as witnesses theme, um, all three of the girls that they're using for um, these accusations are between the ages of 9 and 12.
0: Sick, we love that.
1: Yeah, so they're also children. Great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so...
1: The three women, Tituba, Sarah Good, and Sarah Osborne, were now officially accused by the three girls that were supposedly presenting um, witchcraft symptoms. And I also want to note that um, besides Tituba, because I don't believe she regularly attended church anyways, simply because she was a slave slave. But the other women that were accused, Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne, were known to not regularly attend church. And they were kind of known as outcasts within the town. Um, Like Sarah Good was a beggar and didn't go to church. And generally just people didn't like her for some reason. So in the eyes of Paris or Reverend Paris, because they did not regularly attend church, it was kind of just further evidence to him that they might have actually been witches. So, with these accusations, the three accused were sent to jail to await March 1st, 1962, which was only a day, but still, um, when two magistrates from colonial Salem town, whose names were John Hawthorne and Jonathan Corwin, arrived in Salem Village to conduct a public inquiry into the witchcraft accusations.
0: Sorry, did you say 1962 or 1692? Sorry, I meant 1692. Okay, I was just very confused. I was like, I thought this happened a long time ago. <laughs> it did. It's it's not okay. very often I talk about
1: 1692.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I feel that.
1: So between March 1st, 1692 and March 7th of 1692, the two magistrates would then intensely interrogate all three of the accused. Um the two Sarahs, I'll call them the two Sarahs because I said their full names a lot, but the two Sarahs and Tituba to determine if they were in fact witches as these young girls had accused. And initially, as expected, all three women pled innocence and insisted that they were just regular women, had nothing to do with witchcraft. However, um, through the abuse that Paris committed on Tituba over these few days, it was reported that he severely beat her. Um, and additionally, just because in general, as both of you had mentioned, interrogation tactics were often including torture. Um, it eventually led to Tituba um confessing that, quote, the devil came to me and bid me to serve him, unquote, and that she had essentially made a deal with the devil in where a tall man with white hair had approached her and made her write her name in a book. Um, it was reportedly the devil's like book of names, book of souls that he owned. Um, and it was also at this time that she claimed she saw several other names in this book of witches that were other women in town, but the only two names that were legible to her were of Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne. And then just additionally to that, to throw in some more details of her confession, um, she said that the devil had ordered her to worship Satan and and to hurt children of the village. So all three women were ultimately found guilty of witchcraft, and this was largely a result of solely the initial accusation by the kids and to confession. confession. Um, and ultimately unfortunately, um, Sarah Good was executed by hanging on July 29th of 1692. She was only 39 when it happened. And Sarah Osborne never actually got to go to trial. She was waiting in prison when she died of unknown causes on May 10th of 1692. She was 49 years old, as I mentioned, which is not elderly, but according to them, it was. Um, however, Tatuba, who just in terms of the storyline of paranoia, you would expect to have been executed very rapidly. Um, because of her guilty plea and supposed willingness to point out other witches in the community, she was not executed because she was seen by the court as a credible witness during these trials. So, to avoid execution, Tatuba played into being seen as a credible witness. And she went onto the stand multiple times, accusing others of practicing witchcraft and also telling elaborate stories about her experiences with the devil and experiences of seeing animals sent by the devil, um, including detailed descriptions of these big black dogs, red and black rats and yellow birds and foxes and wolves Um, she also noted, and I thought this was really interesting because journey, you mentioned like, this is where broomsticks come from. She had also told stories on stand that she had ridden to different towns on a stick and that Osborne who was formerly executed or accused was possessed or was possessing a creature that had the head of a woman and two legs, but also had wings and I know so,
0: like, it's it's very odd to me that she would confess to seeing those things. But I guess if you're hallucinating, then that makes sense.
1: Absolutely. And also, they were basically delaying her execution because she, up to this point, was the only person who admitted to being a witch and was openly providing other names of witches. Right, and so um, that, in addition to the fact that a lot of the stories she was telling, like oh, this person ship sh- shift shape, what is that word? This person shape shifted. Thank you. Um, and I saw these crazy visions of these animals the devil sent, and I wrote my name in a book. It was apparently common knowledge, or somewhat common at that point, that these were all different. animals aspects of like different types of witchcraft so usually you would see like the visions in one type of witchcraft or you'd see like the shape-shifting in another kind so the fact that she was combining all of them was like really confusing the public um and it was because of that that they just kept bringing her onto trial partially just for entertainment purposes because there wasn't a lot of entertaining stuff back then
0: So maybe she was just like, oh, if I tell these outlandish stories, then I'll just be like a traveling circus and just like go around and just tell my stories and they won't execute me because I'm so entertaining. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's really unfortunate, but that is very much the gist that I got from reading her story.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
2: Kind of along the lines of entertainment, Unrelated, but related Um, with the Pendle Witch Trials, too. So like when that second bit was happening with Janet Devis, when she's older, being convicted, they actually created a play that they put on. And it was the play of like this boy's account of what happened. So people would literally go like look at these prisoners in Lancaster Castle and then just walk into town and watch a play about why they're in prison. Like same day. Yeah.
0: And it was all entertainment
2: like all
1: entertainment value that's so fascinating like that honestly just lends to the theory that like people obviously they did believe there were witches otherwise this wouldn't happen across the world for hundreds of years but part of it was for entertainment value like it's the same thing it's the same reason as why they had public executions Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like they
0: just they were so bored they needed something to do (laughs) They couldn't argue on Facebook, so they were like, (laughs) let's (laughs) hit the witches. Exactly. (laughs) Wild. So
1: with Tutuba being such a supposedly credible witness and helping so much in these witch trials, she ended up being the sole individual who would plead guilty. And at least at the time, throughout history, this changed, but... During the witch trials of 1692 to 1693, she was the only individual who pleaded guilty and was ultimately pardoned because of her co- cooperation in aiding the magistrates to identify other witches. So she survived.
0: Yeah. Okay,
1: interesting. Yeah, she she said she told a lot of possible lies and made up a lot of stories, and they said, thanks for your cooperation. You're free to go. <laughs>
0: Wild, because I feel like like her being a slave would make them not care if she lives or dies, like as gross as that is. And like her practicing voodoo, which is has been so like is such a taboo thing within yeah. Christianity and Catholicism. like it feels like out of all of them she would have been like a guaranteed someone who would have been executed.
1: I know, it's so fascinating. I I honestly felt the same reading through it. Like I thought as unfortunate as it is, I assumed she would be used for her information and then executed with the rest of them. But no, yeah. it, she was the only one who was pardoned after pleading guilty for well, her cooperation for like during the trials. All right.
0: All the power yeah. to you, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: so After these first three, just backtracking a little bit, um, no longer talking about Tituba, just because we went through her story. Um, After these three women were accused by Betty, Abigail, and Ann Jr., um, Betty never actually attended any further trials. As soon as the first accusation occurred and there's basically the interrogations into these women, um, Samuel Paris wanted to get her as far away from all of these trials and problems as soon as possible and sent her to live with family in Sudbury, Massachusetts. And it was pretty much like within the same year that Samuel Paris was also dismissed from his role as minister in Salem village. So he ended up just leaving all of it as well and going to live with his whole family in Sudbury. Um, But just because uh, Betty stopped attending and helping out with the trials doesn't mean that Abigail and Ann jr. Were so uh, did the same thing. So, Abigail and Ann Jr. went on to actually become some of the most prolific accusers of the Salem witch trials, keeping in mind they're between, I I think these two girls are 10 and 12 years old. Um, With Abigail, she accused and or testified against an additional 57 people, and Ann Jr. testified or accused another 60
2: how sorry to interrupt like I just can't comprehend how a child can testify against that many people I don't even think I knew that many people when I was 10 or 12 let alone enough people to be like yeah they practice witchcraft and I know that and then for someone to say I believe you like you may be right with that one I'm gonna listen to you
1: (laughs) I completely agree like this started with their nanny telling them like some stories and playing fortune telling games with them to them possibly either infected with ergotism or just being weird kids playing make-believe accusing women of being witches and now they're standing on the stand like responsible for the life and death of like countless people (laughs) I don't know how it gets to that point yeah literally yeah it's Just kind of crazy. But yeah, they both accused and or testified against a bunch of other people. And throughout their testimonies, um, a few more women and girls came forward to become uh, or to provide testimonies against these women during the witch trials. And there was like a few extra witnesses. So I didn't want to go into detail about all of them. But I did want to note that like the oldest witness was 19 years old so that goes that yeah
0: the like that's bonkers like the only adult witness was
1: yeah only like, 19. I do believe there was a couple more older witnesses after that but of the witnesses who reportedly actually experienced like like getting convulsions and having weird sounds and doing weird things like the oldest person of the people supposedly actually afflicted that became testifiers um the oldest was 19 like they were all basically kids that's crazy
0: and we relied on them also i'm seeing sorry go ahead um i just remembered what i was gonna say about abigail and Anne. it felt like problem children who like didn't get enough attention from their parents so they were like if i cause this whatever then my parents will see me well that was like yeah. Jenna Devis, too. Like she was the very, she was the youngest
2: child out of all of them and yeah. she wasn't treated all that well. And like that's what people think. They're like, mm, "I'm just
0: going to do my thing." Yeah. Yeah. The this crazy, will get me just some attention. Yeah. Wow. Wild. Okay, go ahead, Nicole. <laughs> um
2: sorry. I'm seeing a comment. No, no, it's okay. I'm I'm seeing a common theme among these
1: trials with children. Yep. With children <laughs> saying there are witches. Like, hmm. Is yeah. there funny imaginations going on? I
2: probably, when
1: I was a child, I
2: also was like, I believe in witches. This person could be a witch.
1: Yeah. I, mean, my I had an entire book about how to hunt fairies, and they're in the same realm as witches. So yeah. I
0: totally believed in witches. Well, even, like, we all believed in, like, Santa or the tea yeah. fairy. Or the Easter bunny. like, Yeah yeah exactly like if if
1: as a society you're telling kids all these fairy tales about ooh scary people called witches who do magic like they're obviously going to pretend or genuinely think that they're seeing Mm -hmm. witches and it's probably just some people being a little weird that are social outcasts exactly (laughs) yeah yeah so with that being said Um, The official witch trials, in which a lot of people were all tried kind of at once in a short period of time, were held on May 27th of 1692. And this was after weeks of informal hearings and imprisonments in which people were both tortured and interrogated to get confessions. So it was during these trials that accused, accuseds or accuseds, (laughs) Not positive how to say that, but people who were accused of witchcraft were uh, made to defend themselves without the aid of counsel in front of a group of seven judges. And it was these seven judges that would ultimately decide your fate, whether or not you were a witch. And many of the young accusers, such as Betty, or sorry, not Betty, but Abigail and Ann Jr., actually sat in the stands of the courtrooms, still seemingly showing symptoms of being possessed like they would sit in the courts and it would just be rows of young girls twitching convulsing making weird noises and basically just trying to demonstrate to the courts that the devil was still in the courtroom with them influencing like their witchcraft and so it was said that if an accused Um, confessed that they were witches and offered to name other witches, that they were spared execution because according to Puritan belief, um, they would receive, like the, the accusers would receive punishment from God for harming those people if they did confess, if those did confess to being witches and basically that's them sharing their sins and trying to ask for help. However... If someone pled innocence and insisted on their innocence, they were much more um, likely to be given the harshest penalties, such as execution, because it was seen as them refusing to confess to their sins, which meant they must be guilty of witchcraft.
0: That feels kind of like the water test where like either way, you're just doomed.
1: I thought the same thing. Mm hmm. Like it just either you admit to being a witch and you probably still get sentenced to like life of torture or mm-hmm. you beg and plead that you are innocent and they kill you because they think you're lying.
0: <laughs> like it's a lose-lose situation.
1: Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Um, But as a result of these trials, um. More than 200 people were ultimately accused of being witches during these trials. And um, a lot of them did go through trials and they did go and they were tortured and imprisoned waiting for them. But only 33 of these 200 individuals were actually found guilty of being witches. And, But as I said, many more than 33 were still imprisoned and tortured to attempt to get more information out of them. So as a result, um, out of the 33 individuals found guilty, 20 of them were executed. Um, in addition to the 20, two dogs were executed. With um, They thought that the dogs were a little too close to the devil because as I mentioned earlier, it was believed that dogs were basically closer and on a more familiar level with the devil than humans were. So it was thought that if a dog was used um, either to communicate with the devil, for example, um, I couldn't find definitive information of specifically which dogs were killed because they probably don't keep that record, but I would suspect one of them would possibly be Samuel Paris's family dog simply because it was said like dogs are closer to the devil and they used the Paris family dog to eat the witch cake to try to basically communicate with the devil and see if they were in fact influenced. So you could have a family dog, but don't, don't help it interact with the possible witches. It will probably get
0: executed by the courts as well. It's so odd that they thought dogs were close to the devil because aren't cats typically associated with like witches and the devil? I like know. I, I thought that was well. like
2: become the familiar of a witch, kind of. But I don't know if right. that's more of a modern take on it. Um, I've always l- heard that, like, dogs have been a very... Sorry if you can hear no in the back. Have been, like, a demonic possession-type thing. And, like, they're just big, burly animals and kind of, like, wolf-like. So that's kind of, I think, where the witch-devil-Satan connection
0: okay. comes from. Yeah. Well, I, guess I do know
1: in... Sorry, what was that?
0: There's also, like, hellhounds, like, in Supernatural, the invisible dogs that hunt people. Yeah,
1: yeah I was going to mention, like, Cerberus. He was the three-headed hound. Um, he was, like, the protector of um, the underworld, basically. Like, he was, like, Hades' pet. Um right. So I think it's, like, I think dogs involved in witchcraft is, like, solely based on, like, ancient mythology. Right. Um, but one of the things, like, I didn't mention all of the animals earlier that Titibula said she like the devil had sent her to see but mm-hmm. one of the animals she did say she was seeing that represented the devil was cats so okay. i think it was just that yeah. dogs were a more common household animal at that
0: time that makes sense i don't know cats yeah. just seem a little bit more devilish than dogs but there are some dogs that like you can like make the jump <laughs> yeah no i totally
1: agree okay <laughs> Um, but yeah, so there was 20 individuals executed and two dogs. 19 of the executed individuals were executed by hanging. Um, however, there was one man, his name was Giles Corey, who was executed by being pressed to death under very heavy stones. And this was actually the only state-sanctioned execution of its kind. And the reason for um, executing him in this way is is that um, he refused to enter a plea at trial. So he refused to say he was innocent, but he refused to say that he was guilty. So they thought that they needed to press him to death by stones.
0: Hmm. I I would absolutely hate that way of execution. But also, yeah. why wouldn't he just plead innocent?
1: Yeah, I... That's a great question. It was reported that like they would put on a few stones and like say, like, will you will you testify now? Will you plea? And he was like, No, put more stones. And they just they just kept putting on more stones to try to like basically it's like severe torture to try to elicit a plea. And he just wouldn't do it. And they crushed him to death.
0: Maybe he was just like a sadist or a masochist or whichever one enjoys like pain being put on onto yourself or whatever. Honestly, it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> he just took it too far. Literally, that's
1: wild. Okay, yeah. So, um, that's pretty much it for like the whole of the witch trials. Um, I didn't realize that the witch trials, like at least the Salem witch, witch trials, only lasted nine months. And I am especially surprised, given like the witch trials you both discussed, take took like years. <laughs> um, Mine was two days. Oh yes. Well, the trials themselves were two days,
2: but um, like leading up to it was a couple of months too. okay, yes, sorry, I misunderstood, but they were like but yeah two two kind of separate trials over the span of sixteen twelve to sixteen thirty four was the other one,
1: okay, gotcha. I think that's why I was a little bit confused, but thank you for that clarification, <laughs> but um, yeah, so over two hundred accused. 33 convicted and 20 executed. Um, And it was actually only a few years after the witch trials that the state of Massachusetts realized that they made a really big error in, in these witch trials and ended up trying to make reparations. So in 1697, the general court of Massachusetts had declared a day of fasting and contemplation And it was also in this time that one of the judges, uh, so one of the seven judges responsible for conviction, had publicly acknowledged his erroneous actions by taking part in his trials. And then some more reparations were made in 1702 when the General Court of Massachusetts declared the trials as unlawful. And then another four years after that, in 1706, Anne Putnam Jr., one of the first three um, accusers, had personally apologized for her role in these trials in convicting these individuals. Furthermore, in 1711, um, 22 of the 33 convicted were actually exonerated, and if they were given the death penalty their families, or if they were already executed, their families were awarded 600 pounds basically for reconciliation. Um, But I assume if they weren't executed, then that 600 pounds went to the individual that was convicted. And then... We basically skipped like over a hundred years until any more reparations were made. But in 1957, the state of Massachusetts finally formally apologized for the Salem Witch Trials, and then it took another like 60 years or so for the final 11 convicted individuals to be fully exonerated. So it wasn't until 2011 that the other 10 or 11 people were exonerated from being convicted as witches.
0: That's kind of sad. I know. That it took so long for them to be like, we're sorry we killed you. I know. Like, it took,
1: like, three, four hundred years, I'm bad at math and I apologize, for the state of Massachusetts to go, yeah, so, turns out we don't actually think you were a spawn of Satan committing witchcraft. We think you were a normal person. Sorry about that. <laughs>
0: yeah, Sorry. my bad. Yeah, just a rough day in the office. <laughs> yeah, really.
2: Wow. Um, I did a quick calculation. So was it six hundred pounds you said in seventeen eleven? Yeah. So yeah. was that six hundred seventeen eleven pounds,
1: or is that like six hundred pounds today? Because I think that was like I think that was six hundred pounds in like sixteen ninety three or like six or like seventeen eleven.
2: Okay, yeah. So I did a conversion just really, really quickly. Apparently, that's almost 90 or just over 94,000 pounds today. Okay. okay.
1: That's, de- that's a decent payout, <laughs> especially for the time. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's not bad. Good job, Massachusetts. <laughs> sort of. Not really, but a little. <laughs> um, so even though the Salem Witch Trials were a very dark time in American history – um, they did actually lend a hand to some very, very influential changes in U.S. court procedures. Um, for example, partially um, as a direct result of the Salem WISH trials, um, we the U.S. court now guarantees the accused's right to legal representation. Uh, they also now ensure that there is a presumption of innocence rather than guilt because of the WISH trials. And um accused now are have the right to be cross-examined. So basically, because in the witch trials, like accused accuseds, I'm sorry, that is such a hard word for me. Accused um were not allowed to have defense counsel. They were required to defend themselves, which obviously a lot of people couldn't even read back then. So there was Absolutely no literacy other than please, please, I'm innocent. Um, Mm -hmm. And then also, as we see in the Salem witch trials, as well as the witch trials that you discussed in episodes one and two of our Halloween special that everyone should go check out because they are so interesting. Um, It really does seem like everyone was assumed to be guilty.
0: Unless you could like definitively prove you were innocent, you were probably guilty. Well, and even if you proved you were innocent, they were probably like, that's witchcraft. You're guilty. Yeah. How did you prove that? Yeah. That's what
2: a witch would say. So you're guilty, actually.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. exactly. (laughs) Or you were dead because you drowned in a river that proved you were innocent.
1: Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So I know. So today, the town of Salem, Massachusetts, which again is uh formerly Salem town not Salem village <laughs> um honors its victims through memorials and museums that are scattered all over um Salem and actually it's super cool and if we could do like a girls trip to Salem that'd be mm-hmm. sick um but like there's still even the original graveyards from where all of these victims were buried my mom and i visited that cemetery it is – Salem was one of the coolest travel experiences of my life, and it is only like a six-hour drive away.
0: <sighs> Ooh. I'm so down. <laughs> oh,
1: that's great
2: to hear. That would be so much I'm literally fun. on Google Maps now seeing how far the drive would be until you said six hours. That is insane. I
0: While know. the Forensics 2024 goes to Salem. Oh, that'd be sick. That'd be so much fun. Ooh.
1: I think – Yeah, there's memorials and museums – um, all throughout Salem, detailing the full history, the extensive history of the witch trials, but also um, plaques dedicated to each and every one of the convicted individuals and executed individuals of the Salem witch trials, which I think is pretty cool. And it, it, I mean, just like the memorials you guys were talking about, it just shows that we recognize that these should not have happened and that we need to remember the individuals that were like wrongfully convicted or wrongfully accused of these things they didn't do
0: yeah definitely but yeah that is
1: the Salem witch trials I'm sorry for some of my ramblings I'm just so excited to talk about witch trials
0: that's okay we've had this on our list since probably since we started which I think I mentioned at the beginning of the episode but like we've always wanted to talk about it and I've always been like so fascinated by the Salem witch trials so it's nice to finally hear like what it was yeah for sure Definitely, oh, I love like, talking about it. Right i I thought it was going to be bigger, like, like with the previous two. Like, I had assumed yeah. like hundreds of thousands of people mm-hmm. had been uh, executed as a witch, and like the whole burning alive on a stake thing is such a like predominant thing with witches. But yeah, not a lot of witches were burned alive, and mm-hmm. like in the case of Salem, they weren't burned at all. Yeah, yeah, they were all hanged and one was crushed. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's just crazy. Um, yeah. The use of kids, though, I mentioned this to you guys before we recorded, reminded me of like the Satanic Panic kind of thing, where there was a bunch of kids saying um, they had like met the devil or their parent was the devil or they'd been abused by the devil or something. So I wanted to put a feeler out to our listeners to see if they wanted us to. Um, talk like do an episode on that because I found it super fascinating. I learned about it in a religion class. Um but it's basically so thing. down to learn about that. It's so yeah. interesting. Yeah well
2: wasn't that also around the time of David Berkowitz and that's what like influenced some of what was going on because everyone was like Satan's here, Satan da 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 and then my neighbor's dog is Satan telling me to do these.
0: Oh, I forgot about that. Okay, that yeah, there's the, dog in the devil again. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, we yeah. should. Okay, I, I.
1: If listeners want to, I definitely think we should talk about the Satanic Panic in the seventies and eighties, and
0: I think sixties yeah. to eighties. I don't quite remember, but I I want to. I'd love to learn more. Yeah, we could do like a David Berkowitz in the Satanic Panic episode. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Well, thank you, Rebecca, for telling us all about the Salem witch trials. Um, if you want more information from us, you can find us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at what the forensics, our Twitter is WTForensicsPC. Our website is whattheforensics.ca, um, where you can find our like book, movie, um, podcast recommendations, any of our episodes, some merch, um, it's your one-stop shop for everything forensics. Um, if you want to reach out to us with any questions, comments, or concerns, you can send us an email at whattheforensics at gmail.com, or you can send us a message on our social medias. Um, and make sure to give us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We love to read them. They help keep us relevant. Um, yeah, so this has been the last part of our three-part sodes of Witch Trials of What the Forensics. We hope you enjoyed them, and we will see you next time. Bye! Bye just a reminder to everyone that we are not professionals in the forensic science field we are just interested in forensics and want to share what we are learning with our listeners we're trying to give you the most accurate information but we are human and can make mistakes thank you so much for listening and we hope to see you next week